You are listening to the Highland Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Highland Baptist Church, including our gathering times, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Josh Helton. Amen. That's, that's all we need. Is if, if we can learn that to just depend on Jesus, you can have all this world. You can have every bit of it. Just give me him. Uh, that'll help us get through the day. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Um, began praying a, here a few weeks back, knowing we were finishing up the uh, By Faith series and, and looking where we were going to go after Easter. Uh, and so uh, God had laid it on my heart for us to walk through the book of Jonah. So that's what we're going to do over the next uh, four weeks or so, uh, is walk through this book of Jonah. There's... Uh, and every time I read through uh, the story of Jonah, I realize there's more and more uh, that I can take, uh, that I can relate to, honestly, uh, in his story. And so hopefully uh, my prayer is that God will use uh, this story to teach us over uh, the next few weeks as we kind of break it down uh, chapter by chapter. And so um, it's just interesting to see kind of the parallels uh, between what Jonah walked through uh, and what we walked through. Um, and, and I guess one of the reasons that I like the book of Jonah is the fact that it's, it's just real. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a man who didn't necessarily want to do what God called him to do, but God had a plan for him. Uh, and even uh, the way it starts off and the way it ends, it just, it just shows you a real person. Uh, that, and, and for me, it's a reminder that God can use me. Uh, despite who I am, despite uh, what it is that I may walk through, what it is that my past looks like, God can use me uh, if, if he so desires. And so um, hopefully y'all will gain something as we walk through this. Uh, but Jonah chapter 1, uh, the title of today's message is The, the Storms of Disobedience. And, and uh, you may look and go, okay, well, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, uh, you may have an idea of kind of where we're going today. Uh, and I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of surprises with it, uh, but, uh, but I do think there's some things that we can take from this uh, as, as we look at uh, this idea in Jonah chapter 1. Uh, so Jonah chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, and it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, saying, Arise, go uh, to Nineveh, the great city, and, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah was challenged with this, uh, with, with this call. He said, God told him, he said, arise and go to Nineveh, uh, the great city. Uh, so it gives us an idea that Nineveh was a, a popular place in that time, that it wasn't just uh, some small little town, but it was a, a great city. It was known for some of its trade, but it was also known for uh, some of the things that they did that weren't honoring to uh, the Lord. And so the Lord called Jonah and said, hey, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. Basically, he told him, he said, go and preach repentance. Go and tell them uh, where they're at, where they are, and they're standing with me. Allow them to see uh, that, that what it is, is what they're doing now is not what I've called them to do. So I want you to cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. This is just a reminder for us today that, that God sees all things. He, he wasn't just one of those things in uh, the, the Sunday school class that we were part of this morning is walking through uh, the book of Genesis and uh, the, the, we talked about that. It wasn't just something that uh, he created the world and then just said, oh, it's good and now I'm done. 
God didn't just look and say, okay, well, hey, I've done all of this stuff. I worked my six days, and I rested on the seventh day, and now I'm just letting it all fall into order. No, God keeps an eye on his creation. God is uh, still in tune with what's happening with his creation. And even in Jonah's day here, God saw that the city of Nineveh was wicked. And so he sent a prophet. He sent a man. He said, hey, I want you to go and preach to these people. Now, what I found in my study this week is that that journey was not a short journey. Uh, most accounts will tell you that it was at least 500 miles, depending on how he had to travel, could have been up to 600 miles journey from Jonah's hometown to the city of Nineveh. And so God was sending him a great distance to go and preach his word uh, to these people. But the command was clear. But Jonah made a decision, and it was a decision of disobedience, and we find that here in verse 3. And it says, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we went down to Joppa, found a ship uh, which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah made a decision in that moment. God said, Hey, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. I want you to go and uh, cry out against them. Tell them what it is that, that they are doing wrong. Point them back to me. Jonah instead said, I want to go the opposite direction. Now what we don't know uh, is, is where the actual location of Tarshish is. It's not one that they've narrowed down. There's lots of opinions on it. But what everybody does agree with is it's in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Jonah's desire was to avoid Nineveh at all cost. So it's not even that he went to get on a ship that would take him in a similar direction to make it appear like he was going to obey. And sometimes we do that. We kind of go in that, that similar direction of what God's calling us to do. And we're like, hey, if we just kind of walk along, we can brush up against that trail. And it looks like we're being obedient. No, Jonah was like, no, nah, I'm not even doing that. I don't even want the ship to get blown off course and me end up in Nineveh. No, he said, I'm going in the complete opposite direction. Some commentators would tell you that he was going on a, on a journey that could have been up to 2,000 miles. What, what, what they do believe about Tarshish is that it was at the other end of the known world at the time. So where Nineveh was, the five, 600-mile journey that he was supposed to go, he said, no, I'm going to go to the other end of what we know as creation in this moment. He had no desire to do what it, what it was that God was calling him to do. So he had made the decision of disobedience. But the interesting thing that we find twice in verse 3 is that he rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. It says it there in the beginning, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And at the end, it says, and it went down in, into it, talking about the ship there, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was a man of God. He preached the word of God, but for some reason he thought that he could get away from the presence of God. He thought that he could get away from what it was uh, that, that God was calling him to. But if you look at Psalm 139, we realize that that's not an option. Psalm 139, uh, starting in verse 7, says this, Though I walk 
If I'd read 139, not 138, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? The psalmist here, uh, this, this one's from David, says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Jonah thought that he could get away from God. He thought that he could go in the opposite direction and get away from the presence of the Lord, hoping that God would change what it was that he was calling him to do. And as I was praying about this week, and I looked and said, okay, God, I... I know this is a somewhat familiar story, but I want us to find the application in this. And he said, Josh, how many times do we do that? How many times do my people do exactly what it was that Jonah did? Is we look and we go, hey, I don't really want to do that, God. Do you have something else for me to do? God, I hear that need. I see that there's something that, that can be done, but Lord, that's not really what I want to do. I feel like my skill set could be used in a different place. I feel like somebody else can do it. Or maybe we don't even have that conversation with God. And we just look and go, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to avoid it because somebody else will do it. God made it pretty clear that the job that he had here for Jonah to do was not somebody else's job. Because if it was somebody else's job... He would have started with them. Even if Jonah would have lost the opportunity to do that job, we wouldn't see what we see in the verses that are going to be coming up here shortly in the rest of chapter 1. God would have sent somebody else if he desired to use somebody else. But see, the thing is, God had something planned for Jonah. God had a plan for Jonah to do something that only Jonah was going to be able to do because God was going to work through him. But Jonah didn't want to do it. And so Jonah ran in the opposite direction. Now we may not physically run in the opposite direction. But there are times in life where we look and go, God, I don't really want to do that. God, that's, that, surely, surely there's got to be somebody better equipped to do this than me. Lord, surely there's something else, someone else that can do this, or there's something else that I can do. But God was clear in his command to Jonah. He just said, I, there in verse 2, he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran in the opposite direction trying to flee the presence of the Lord, thinking that somebody else could do that job. Now, I don't know about you this morning. I don't know your, your life story, or I don't know where it is that you are. But there's a really good chance that if you've had faith for any amount of time, there's been a time where you've looked and said, God, can't you send somebody else? Can't somebody else go? Lord, isn't there somebody else that can do this? We avoid 
what it is that God wants us to do. Well, that's just the beginning of disobedience. That's just the beginning of the storm of disobedience. And see what Jonah thought here in this moment. He said, I heard God call me to do something. I don't want to do it, so I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go in a different direction. God can use me over there. But that's when the storm came. Follow with me to verse 4. It says, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. See, what we find here is that Jonah had fled God, but God was going to get his attention. God was essentially saying here, Jonah, this is not an option. You going this opposite direction is not an option. Now, Jonah is on a ship. He paid a fare to go on this ship. So what we would believe about this is that these men, this was not their first time on this ship. This was not going to be their first time in a storm. These guys had probably run across a storm They'd probably seen those from time to time. They knew exactly what to do uh, to weather that storm. But verse 5 tells us that the sailors became afraid. So much so that they began to cry out to their gods. So this, this leads us to a belief that, that these, these men on this ship had an understanding of religion, at least in a sense. And they cried out to these pagan gods saying, hey, we'll take any help we can get at this point in time. The boat is, is going nuts. There's water everywhere. We're probably going to drown. We're throwing stuff overboard. Probably the stuff that they were paid to take different places. Maybe it was their own clothing. Maybe it was their own furnishings. We don't know what it was, but they're starting to get stuff off the ship. Because at this point in time, it is now a life-saving measure. And they're saying, hey, we've got to get this out of here. And where do we find Jonah? Jonah walked into the belly of the ship and he fell asleep. And I thought about that some this week of how could he sleep in the midst of this storm with these sailors that are frightened so you know the water has to be rough. You know the entire boat is feeling what's going on at this point in time. Because if it wasn't that extreme, these sailors would not be afraid. They wouldn't be tossing stuff overboard. They wouldn't be praying to their gods. They wouldn't be pulling out all stops to make sure that this storm relaxes. But Jonah was comfortable in his disobedience. Jonah had already made up his mind. He said, I'm not going to Nineveh. I don't care. I'm not going so in the midst of his sin, he walked into the bottom of the boat and he fell asleep. That shows a level of comfort that he had found in his decision of disobedience. The truth in that today is that oftentimes when we stay in that disobedience, we too find comfort in our own sin. We too find a place where we can rest in it, although it's not something great. Maybe it wasn't something that we just walked into. Maybe it's been a pattern in our life that we've just not been willing to deal with. And at some point in time, we get to the place where we're now comfortable with those decisions that we have made. 
And my prayer is that if you are comfortable today, that God shakes the foundations of your life and says, hey, this is not where I have for you. This is not what he wanted for Jonah. This is not what he desired for him. No, he desired Jonah to be used to reach people. The same can be said of us today. But when we get comfortable in, in the belly of that ship, when we find ourselves in a place where we've told God no so many times, and now we can rest during that decision, church, I'm telling you, that's not the place you want to be. I've been in that place. That is not the place that you desire to be. That is not the place that God wants you to be. And it, and it takes a road of, of heartache and pain to get back from that place because now we've got to deal with ourselves and we really got to deal with that sin. We've really got to deal with this. God's got to get our attention because now we're comfortable with where we are. There's not a place in Scripture that will ever show you that, that God called His children to be comfortable. He said, I'll take care of you. He said, I'll provide for you. He said, I'm going to walk the, the path with you. He said, but... There's not a place where he ever said, I want you to get to a place in life where you're comfortable. No, God continues to stretch us. He continues to use us. He desires for us to grow in such a way that we continue to reach people. But Jonah had already made up his mind. He said, I don't care, God. I'm going to take a nap. And while the sailors are afraid, and they're panicking up on the, the top of the boat. Jonah is in the bottom of the boat, fast asleep. Verse 6 says, So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? The same question we'd have had, and I can sleep through a lot of things. That's a spiritual gift of mine. Uh, I can sleep through a lot of things. You don't believe me? Ask Allie. It's, it's, it's been a learning curve uh, for her. I don't wake up with a whole lot of things. So I kind of understand, but I, I, I've not ever been on a boat in a storm like this to where everybody else on the boat is afraid and I'm just sound asleep. But the captain there in verse 6 says, approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. He said, We're looking for all options here. So I didn't ask who his God was. He said, Just get up and call on your God because this storm is going to kill us all. He said, Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. They've already prayed to their gods and nothing's happening. So he's looking at everybody on the boat and saying, hey guys, we need to, whatever God you serve, you need to pray to that one because we got to figure this thing out because we're not going to last very long. Verse 7, each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They're looking and going, guys, we got to figure out whose fault this is. Somebody has done something wrong. And in their culture in that day, if the, the, the seas were shaking like this, there was a God somewhere that was angry with somebody. They tied a lot of these things to uh, a, a, a frustration from a God, uh, whether it was a pagan God or, or whatever it may have been. They looked at this and they said, there's got to be a God that's mad at us. And it's got to be mad at somebody on this boat. Because we've all called out to our gods and, and nothing's changing. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. 
Then they said to him in verse 8, Tell us now, tell us now on whose account has the calamity struck us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? We need to know who you are. Because everything now is pointing to the fact that you are the problem in this situation that we're in. We want to know who you are. Look at Jonah's response. It's a very interesting one. And he said to him, to them in verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. I ran back across that verse a few times. Because the actions of Jonah do not match up with the words of Jonah here. No, we know that he is fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But you're fleeing something that you just said that you fear. How does that make sense? I mean, I, I understand running from a wild animal. Something like that. But for him to have an understanding of who God is and to fear him... It doesn't make sense that he decided that he could do whatever it is that he wanted to do and tell God no. It doesn't make sense. But that was his response to them. He said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened in verse 10 and they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. See, Jonah gave them the explanation that he feared the Lord who created the sea and the dry land. They had an understanding of who this God was. They may not have believed in him, yet they would by the end of the chapter. They may not have believed in him at this moment in time, but they had heard of this God that was the most high God that, was, that had power over land and sea. See, most of the gods of that day had power over one thing, or at least they believed that. They had power over one area. But there was rumor about a God that had power over sea and land. And Jonah claimed to be one that feared that God. And their question to him was, how could you do this? See, the thing is, the storm didn't just affect Jonah. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night as we're walking through the book of Joshua a storm of disobedience will never just affect the person who is disobedient. It will never just affect the person who made that decision to not obey God. If I make that decision to be disobedient and not do what it is that I'm supposed to do, you want to know who all it affects? It not only affects my wife and my children, but it affects every one of you. Because when I'm disobedient and I try to walk with God, my relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be. And when my relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be, none of my relationships are where they're supposed to be. Because we have to start with our relationship with God. And Jonah had made the decision that he was going to flee from God. And so he got in a boat. And what he did, and he didn't realize that this was what was going to happen. But what he did 
is he put everybody else's lives in danger. While he went to the bottom of the boat and he was taking a nap, he put everybody else's lives in danger because he didn't want to do what God called him to do. And so the reminder for us today is that we have to look at the people around us and see that what we do, what we decide to do, or what we don't do, or decide not to do, affects them as well. The decisions you make will affect your spouse. The decisions you make will, will affect your family. The decisions you make will, will affect your friends. They will uh, affect that, that small group that you're a part of. It's going to affect your workplace. It's going to affect all these things. And y'all know that. Many of y'all have looked and gone that the decisions that people have made in the past have affected you. Some of the decisions that your parents made affected you. Some of the decisions your grandparents made have affected you. Some of those for the good, some of those for the bad. Some of you sit here this morning and you say, you know what, the reason that I continue to go to church is because it was never an option when I was growing up. My parents were faithful and so they said that, hey, we're going to church because that's what's expected. And so that was instilled and so that decision still affects you to this day. Some of y'all are sitting there saying, Josh, I, I tried to do that same thing. Well, guess what? That decision is still affecting your kids. We're just praying that they realize the decisions that they are making. Because our decisions affect other people. Jonah's decision affected everybody that was in that boat. How could it not? Because God had to get his attention. God had to shake Jonah to bring him back to where it was that he was supposed to be. And Jonah didn't want to be there. He was comfortable with the decision he had already made. Folks, we got to realize the decisions that we make affect those around us. That's why it's important to pray for those that are around you. That's why it's important for us to make sure that we're doing our best to walk with God. And when we make mistakes, we own up to it and we keep moving forward. Because those decisions will affect people. Just like Jonah's decision affected these guys. And they looked and said, how could you do this? How could you run from the presence of the Lord? And I think that they're in their mind, they're looking and going, and you put us in danger. Because you're running from your God. Who are we putting in danger because we're running from what God wants us to do? Who is it that we're putting in harm's way because we're not willing to do what it is that God has asked us to do? That was a question that Jonah is now being faced with. Verse 11 says this, So they said to him, What should we do to you uh, that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. So it's just getting worse and worse. It's just building on itself. And they said, What should we do to you? He said to them in verse 12, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. I really think that there were a couple of options here. But Jonah went to this one. I really think that if Jonah truly repented in this moment, the storm would have stopped. I believe that, that if Jonah would have fallen before God and said, hey, Lord, I'll go. Because God knows his real intentions. 
It's not like he could pull a trick over on him. I really believe that if Jonah had come and knelt before God and just said, Lord, I know what I did was wrong. I'll go. Go back to that, what we talked about with that by faith series. Here I am, Lord, send me. My answer is yes. I think the storm would have stopped. But Jonah looked and said, hey, y'all just throw me overboard. Let me be the sacrifice and then the storm will calm. He's still at a place where he didn't want to go. He still didn't want to go to Nineveh. Even in the midst of this storm, now he's looking, and everybody knows it's his fault. And he, he's owning up to the point that he's like, hey, it's on, it's on account of me that all this is happening. So y'all just throw me overboard. There's no way he survives in that water unless God wants him to. Not in the midst of this storm. He's going to drown. The currents are too rough. He will drown in this water. So Jonah just said, hey, if you'll throw me over and let me end it all, it'll be better for everybody. Verse 13 says, However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. These guys said, There's no way we're throwing this guy overboard because he won't survive, and we're not taking that on us. We're not allowing that to be held against us. So they work feverishly trying to row this boat back to shore, and it's not happening. I envision this in my mind, and I see that it just it seems like as they row, they just get further and further and further out because that storm's just like, no. And God's saying, You're not, you're not gonna get past what I want to happen here. And so verse 14, then, then they called on the Lord. They, they didn't call on their gods. They called on the God at this point in time. They called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Verse 16 says, Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They realized that that God of the sea and land, there was something different about him. They were introduced to the one true God. Jonah is trying to run from preaching to people in Nineveh, and he ends up allowing what he's going through to preach to the people on the ship here. And God, being God, not only pulls Jonah back in the direction that he wants him to go, but also shows his power and his might in the midst of this disobedience and uses it to reach the people on the ship. Because that's something that God can do and only God can do. So the beauty of that is no matter where you are right now, even if you're on a path that is not where you're supposed to be going and God is trying to get your attention, well, guess what? He can get your attention and use that story of his faithfulness, of his continuing to pursue like he did with Jonah here. He's like, Jonah, you're not getting away from me. I'm going to continue to pursue you. He continues to do that with us even when we walk in disobedience and when he pulls us back, then that story can be used for his glory yet again. So Jonah's thrown into the water and the sea calms. Now, I bet if they tried to pull him back up on that boat that the storm would have started again. 
But in reality, we, we find out that there wasn't a whole lot of time for them to do anything with Jonah. Because then you see in verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. God said, I'm going to get your attention, Jonah, because I've still got something for you to do. I got you off that boat, but I know you're still reluctant, and so I'm going to get your attention, because I've still got work for you to do. He made that decision of, of disobedience. There was the effects of disobedience with the storm and everything else. And then that continuation of disobedience. Because guess what? Jonah still hasn't gotten to the point where he said, hey, God, I'm ready to go. He's still not gotten to the point where he's saying, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry for running from you. No, he's at that point where he's like, throw me in the ocean, guys. Throw me in the sea. I don't care. I don't want to live because I don't want to do what it is that God wants me to do. There is a strong stubbornness in Jonah at this point in time. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have those streaks as well. We have those times where we look at God and say, Lord, my heels are dug in. I'm not doing it. Lord, I hear what it is you're asking me to do. I'm not doing it. Lord, I can't do that because uh, we, we're not financially able or we're, 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 I, I can't change this with work. I can't change this uh, with this issue. I can't, we can't possibly take on something else. Lord, we can't do that. And we dig our heels in. Because we think we know what plan is best. All he asked Jonah to do was to go and preach to a group of people. They were bad people. But he just wanted him to go and share a message. There's times in our lives that we dig our heels in just like Jonah did. Just because God wanted us to share a message with somebody else. There are times in our lives where we'd rather go to the other end of the globe than have that conversation that we're supposed to have. There's consequences for that, though. There are consequences for us not being obedient to what it is that God is calling us to do. If Jonah doesn't go, does God destroy the city of Nineveh? If Jonah doesn't do what it is that he's called to do, what does it look like for those people of that great city? If we don't do what it is that God's called us to do, what does it look like for our families? What does it look like for our friends? What does it look like for our work circles? What does it look like for the people around us? What does it look like for our neighbors? What does it look like for, for Molino? If Highland Baptist Church is not willing to do what it is that God has called us to do, what does it look like for the people outside those doors? What does it look like for the people that we pass at the grocery store? What does it look like for the people that we see on a regular basis and we just, for some reason, we keep bumping into them? And we say, but God, I don't have time to talk to them today. Lord, I don't have time to help them with their needs. Lord, I don't have time to, to do that. Lord, I can't afford to do that. I can't do all these things. I dare say that 
when we come back with that excuse, God's looking and saying, I've not asked you to provide for those things. I'm just asking you to be a part of it. God's not saying, I, the, hey, I need you to drain that checking account and, 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 and I'm just going to leave you alone. He's not saying I need you to, to, to go and just magically come up with some words and just leave you alone for those conversations. No, he's looking and saying, hey, I just want you to be obedient because I want to reach people and I want to do it through you. That's all he told Jonah. But Jonah said no. How many times have we said no? Because it wasn't convenient, or we weren't able, or we didn't have time, or we had other things on our schedule. We, had all, we have all these excuses. And now we're looking, and we watch those storms happen. And we wonder, why are those storms happening why are these, these things going on? Why is that person struggling in their life? Why is, why is my family struggling? Why are the finances not what they were? Nothing's really changed. Well, see, we don't realize all along God was blessing us to put us in a place to reach the people that he called us to reach. God was already orchestrating all of those things to make it happen. And then we said no, and he said okay. And he started to pull back. Or he just let us walk a little further away. Because he keeps asking and we keep saying no. And he's like, okay. See, God's not going to force you to do anything. God's not going to force you to be obedient to him. You have to make that choice. Jonah made that choice. And then life got really, really hard. Sometimes we make that choice and we see those effects almost immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for those things to roll around. But there will always be consequences for our disobedience. So I don't know what it is that God is calling you to do. I don't know what it is that God is saying, hey, I want you to do this. I have this that I need you to be a part of. I don't know. I don't know what it is that God wants you to accomplish for him. But I do know that things don't get easier when we say no to him. Things don't get easier in life when we look and go, God, I really don't want to do that. That's not something that I want to do. And oftentimes we look and go, well, that's a decision that I made. Who's that going to affect? I'm going to go and tell you that that could be a trickle-down effect that could last Generations. Because we weren't willing to do what it was that God called us to do. I don't know how far that storm can go when we say no to God. But I do know that it'll bring consequences that if we look at it, we'd say, no, you know what? I'll be uncomfortable. I'll do those things that you're asking me to do if we really looked at the consequences of our disobedience.
maybe this is just a warning for a future decision that we have to make. I don't know how God's going to use this message today. But I believe that we can look at the story of Jonah. And at least with the first chapter, we realize that the decisions that we make will affect other people. That can be for the good or the bad. So what about the decisions that you're having to make now? Are they putting a positive effect on people? Because you're now making those decisions to follow God. You're making those decisions to have those conversations. You're making those decisions, decisions to help out in areas of need that you see. And they're affecting people in a positive way. And God is using that. And he's getting the glory for it. And, and you're seeing people come to know him. You're seeing people uh, ask questions that they've never asked before. You're starting to see him work in lives that you may have never dreamed that he would work in. My prayer is that is the consequences of our decisions. But for some of us, those decisions are pointing in the opposite direction. And the decisions we're making are just creating bigger storms for other people as we choose to try and flee from the presence of God. But Scripture reminds us that we can't do that. You can't run from God so much so that He can't find you. And the last thing that I ever want to happen in my life is for me to run so long that God eventually gives up on me. That God would look and say, Josh, you know what? You're right. You're not fit for that. Because then I have to stand before him and answer that question one day. Of why'd you keep telling me no? Because I had all of this that I wanted you to do. All of this that I wanted you to be a part of. All of this that I wanted you to see. But you told me no. That friend you were praying for, here's that conversation I wanted you to have with them. But you told me no. That family member you'd been praying for, here's that conversation I wanted you to have, but you told me no. That homeless person that you saw that need, you said no. And this is what happened to them. I don't know that God does all of that, but I'll be honest with you, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to take that chance that God looks at me and says, Josh, I had so much more for you, but you just kept telling me no, that I decided to stop giving you chances to be used by me. Like I said, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what decisions it is that you're facing or decisions that you've made that God's looking and going, hey, I'm giving you another chance. But I do know that God will do that. This morning, he's given you a second chance. He's given you an opportunity to follow him, whatever that may look like. Maybe that's following him into salvation. Maybe that's following him into making Highland your church home. Maybe that's following him into just laying things at his feet and unlocking all those doors and letting him have every part of your life so that he can use you for his glory. I don't know what the decision is this morning for you, but I do know now is time to make that decision. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, I pray that your word has been heard. Lord, that your truth is exactly what was spoken. Lord, I pray that you would use it for your glory and your glory alone. But Lord, I pray for the people that hear me, those that are here in this room and those that may be watching online. Lord, I pray that if there's something in our life, something that's keeping us, a decision that we've made, that we've just said, you know what, God, I don't want to do that. But Lord, it's what you have for us. Lord, it's what it is that you want us to do. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to turn from that. Lord, give us another opportunity to be faithful to you. Because that's what we want to be. We want to be found faithful. And Lord, if there's one that, that is here today that does not know you and doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness to step out of that aisle and come pray a prayer of forgiveness and ask you into their heart. Lord, for all of the decisions that are, that are needing to be made this morning, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to make those decisions for you and you alone. And God, we promise to give you the glory for it all. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, please be sure to rate us and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Highland Baptist Church Podcast.